You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com Do you believe in sin? When I say believe, I don't mean in believe in committing sin. Do you believe there is such a thing as, a, as sin? Well, I think the greatest sin in the world is bringing children into the world that have disease from their parents, that have no chance in the world to be a human being, practically. Delinquents, prisoners, all sorts of things just mark when they're born. That, to me, is the greatest sin that people can, can commit. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the Corbett Report. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, podcasting to you, as always, from the sunny climes of Western Japan, here on the 14th day of June, 2013. Welcome to episode 271 of the Corbett Report podcast, Planned Parenthood Exposed. Now, what we've just been listening to is an excerpt from a very interesting 1957 interview between Mike Wallace and Margaret Sanger, which is certainly worth listening to in its entirety, even though being a televised 1957 interview, it certainly conformed to the mores and mores of 1957 polite society. So it did not exactly delve into the deepest subjects that could have been delved into with a, an historical figure like Margaret Sanger, but it did at any rate raise some very interesting issues, including that extremely interesting excerpt in which Margaret Sanger asserts that the greatest sin that anyone can commit is to bring a child into the world that is diseased from its parents. Uh, there is a breathless pause, to be sure, between the first part of that statement and the second part, and a vast gulf in difference between the meanings, although perhaps maybe not such a, a vast gulf. And that phrase, that, that statement, should be surprising, should be a bit shocking to many who do not know the real history of Margaret Sanger or the real agenda that she was promoting, and have basically listened to the, uh, the history that is always written by the winners, in this case, the racist, rabid eugenicists behind Planned Parenthood and its forerunner, the American Birth Control League, including, of course, its main proponent, Margaret Sanger. But again, this is something that has been completely occluded in recent years by all of the warm, woolly liberal rhetoric that has been spun around this left liberal darling, and to the point where Margaret Sanger is not only revered and deified amongst certain circles of the left, but she is actually, uh, the her awards and honors are given in her name, including to people like Hillary Clinton. to tell you that um, it was a great privilege when I was told that I would receive this award. Uh, I admire Margaret Sanger enormously, her courage, her tenacity, her vision. And if that ringing endorsement from globalist extraordinary Hillary Clinton isn't enough... Don't worry, there are plenty of similar endorsements from similarly high-ranking insider globalists for that monstrosity that Margaret Sanger birthed into this world, Planned Parenthood. Uh, uh, thanks uh, to all of you uh, at Planned Parenthood uh, for all the work that you are doing for women all across the country and for families all across the country and for men who are, have enough sense to realize you're helping them all across the country. <laughs> issue that really grabbed me as, as urgent uh, was, were issues related to population, uh, reproductive health. 
But did you come to reproductive issues as an intellectual? When I was growing up, my parents were always involved in various uh, uh, volunteer things. My dad was uh, head of Planned Parenthood. And it was very controversial uh, to be involved with that. That's right. Not only are awards named after Planned Parenthood founder Margaret Sanger bestowed on the likes of Hillary Clinton, and not only do people like President Obama go around giving stump speeches in praise of Planned Parenthood and their work, and not only do Bill and Melinda Gates and their eponymous foundation pump billions of dollars into projects that are coordinated with Planned Parenthood, and oh yeah, Bill Gates Sr. just happened to be a former director of Planned Parenthood, but also the, the corporate do donors and sponsors of Planned Parenthood reads like a veritable who's who of the Bilderberg trilateralist CFR Fortune 500 jet set, from the TD Bank to UBS to Wachovia to Wells Fargo to Johnson & Johnson, Walt Disney, AOL, Bank of America, Bayer, Chevron, and many, many other globalist insider-connected companies besides. So it behooves us to look into this organization and why it is so heavily promoted by the Bilderberg trilateralist CFR Fortune 500 jet set. And when we start to peel back the layers of that onion, it is not very difficult to find out what is really behind this. And we start to uncover behind Planned Parenthood, and of course the organization that it sprang out from, the American Birth Control League, which is the same organization in every detail, every operational way, and, and even down to the board members, maintained exactly the same once the name change occurred. But, uh, but the American Birth Control League and Planned Parenthood absolutely were founded by rabid racist eugenicists. Again, this is a point that is made advisedly. It is not made off the top of my head. And we can look at such people as board members like Lothrop Stoddard, who was one of the, the board members of the Birth Control League, who even wrote a book called The Rising Tide of Color Against White Supremacy in which he warned that a population explosion amongst colored peoples and a subsequent erosion of Western civilization was going to bring down the world population, uh, bring down the, the quality of the world population, I should say. And of course, back we could trace this back once again to Margaret Sanger, an avowed racist eugenicist. And again, that statement is made advisedly, which can be garnered from her own statements, her own writing, her own correspondence that are all out there and on the record. And we listened earlier to her interesting statement, which she realized she had to amend after making it, that the greatest sin that a family could make is to bring a child into the world. Well, she did affirm that elsewhere in her writing, so that was not just a slip of the tongue. For example, in, uh, in one of her writings, she wrote, quote, "...the most merciful thing that the large family does to one of its infant members is to kill it." End quote. And just in case there's any confusion about what the driving agenda and ideology behind the American Birth Control League and Planned Parenthood really was, she wrote at the, about this in great length in various essays and articles and in the Birth Control League uh, official pu pu publication, where she wrote things like, quote, The campaign for birth control is not merely of eugenic value, but is practically identical with the final aim of eugenics. And, quote, Eugenics is the most adequate and thorough avenue to the solution of racial, political, and social problems. End quote. Now, quotations like that, when they're delivered out of context like that, tend to instill in a lot of people out there the idea, well, this really is all about helping the poor people. This is all about creating the nicer conditions for, for human society generally so that people can get along and prosper and be happy. 
but there is the underlying niggly little detail that this is an absolute dagger aimed at the very populations it is supposed to be helping. In the time-honored tradition of wolves in sheep, sheep's clothing, so too has the American Birth Control League and Planned Parenthood been very careful to cloak its real agenda behind woolly rhetoric about helping the poor, when in fact the poor and hatred of them are the very core of Margaret Sanger's eugenics ideology. And again, this is garnered from her writings, such as, quote, all of our problems are the result of overbreeding among the working class, end quote. And, quote, it now remains for the U.S. government to set a sensible example to the world by offering a bonus or yearly pension to all of obviously unfit parents who allow themselves to be sterilized by harmless and scientific means. In this way, the moron and the diseased would have no posterity to inherit their unhappy condition. The number of the feeble-minded would decrease, and a heavy burden would be lifted from the shoulders of the fit. End quote. Now, again, there doesn't have to be much speculation about who she was talking about when she talked about the morons and the unhappy offspring of these diseased and feeble-minded people, because she did, in great detail and at many different occasions, outline exactly who she was talking about, namely the members of that working class that the liberal left intelligentsia of today seem to think that they're helping with things like Planned Parenthood, and more specifically, that subset of the working class who happens to be non-white, which is not an incidental part of this. In fact, in the 1930s, uh, Margaret Sanger and her American Birth Control League cronies were working on something called the Negro Project, which was self-admittedly designed to exterminate the Negro population. Once again, this is not my take on it. This is directly from her own writings. In a 1939 letter to Dr. Clarence Gamble of Procter & Gamble fame, she wrote, quote, The minister's work is also important, and he should be trained, perhaps by the Federation, as to our ideals and the goals that we hope to reach. We do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population, and the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members." End quote. Margaret Sanger was a rabid racist eugenicist who hungered for the extermination of the Negro population and of the working class generally as her solution to the ills of society. This was driven by a racist and unscientific eugenics philosophy which has been completely discredited scientifically and in every other aspect, but which was wildly popular in her time amongst the, well, extremely rich and extremely powerful individuals of society. So again, once again, for all of those people out there who like to think that they're part of the inside club and, yeah, there are too many people in this planet and there are too many working class and feeble-minded people who are breeding, that's why me and my type should be allowed to breed more. Well, here's a hint for you. In the eyes of people like Margaret Sanger, unless your ha last name happens to be a a Wells or a Huxley or a, uh, or a Rockefeller or a Rothschild or a Morgan or something along those lines, you're probably not part of the club that she wants to help foster and help to propagate into the next generation. This is an extremely important point of what is really at the roots of an organization like Planned Parenthood, which was not about the benevolent bestowing of birth control equally amongst all people so that they could liberate feminine choice or something along those lines. It was a deliberate dagger aimed at the heart of the Negro population, of the working class population, of all the populations that Margaret Sanger and her eugenicist ilk found problematic. 
This is something that I went over on, on an edition of Corbett Report Radio with Reverend Clinard Childress of BlackGenocide.org, who has done excellent work detailing the Negro Project of the American Birth Control League and its efforts generally to enact, well, eugenicist nightmares upon the population under the guise of birth control. So let's listen to an excerpt from that radio program. As you pointed out in the introduction to this broadcast, you, you noted that this is something that, that has been taking place, unfortunately, at least as far back as the 1930s, when uh, black leaders were being recruited to try to mislead their flocks into supporting abortion. Perhaps we can start going over some of the, the history of this and how it really all started to come together. Well, Francis Galton is the basically the father of eugenics, and, but it really didn't <coughs> get to be... Um, the power that is, or prevalent as it is today uh, until Margaret Sanger, um, who was a devout racist, uh, sought to take the idea of sterilization and abortion into dysgenic groups, as she called them, basically. Uh, her words were un- unquestionably racist, saying that they were breeding spawning human beings that should not have been born. Uh, she called colored people human weeds. And there was all sorts of uh, different descriptions of the uh, ethnicities, and it wasn't always African Americans that she sought to either eliminate or sterilize. Uh, and so when, uh, in a letter to uh, Clarence Gamble, the heir of Procter & Gamble, uh, she basically said, we don't want to let on that we want to exterminate the Negro population, and the use of the colored minister will, you know, basically help uh, abate such suspicions. So, more or less, she at that uh, at that time, and she was very wise, because she realized, with uh, she said also later in the letter, that if you're going to approach the Negro population, that you had to be able to control or use the the, the colored minister. But it, it, it you know it's ironic, it's bizarre, it's it's crazy. But that's who the problem is today: <laughs> the colored minister. She would offer five hundred dollars. I mean, five hundred dollars back in the thirties. That's a lot of money. <laughs> but um, she was offering. Uh, prizes and monetary compensation to ministers then that would basically carry her message of family planning and of course they would be then seduced into sterilization and abortion and um, they would basically uh, use the, attempted to use the colored ministers but it still didn't reach the uh, desired result she wanted but Nevertheless, it had begun. That was the way it had started out. But today, if the, uh, well, let's give the example of Jesse Jackson. In 1977, Jesse Jackson said, abortion is black genocide. What happens to a mind of a person in the moral fabric of a nation that can abort a baby without a pang of conscience? Where will we be 20 years from today? Well, when Jesse wanted to be president, all of a sudden, he realized he had to get funding from sources that unquestionably had the platform of uh, abortion, had the abortion agenda. So he flip-flopped on his position. And uh, this is unconscionable to me. Uh, it's gross negligence of the worst kind. 
and he needs to be called out on it whenever possible because uh, at that time especially he was very iconic. It still is today, but uh, at that time here's a, uh, an African American man that uh, was running for president and also during that season considered possibly to be Clinton's uh, vice president. <clears throat> uh, his name was being bandied about, and he was in that final analysis uh, of those who uh, Clinton was going to choose for a running mate the first time around Clinton ran. So we have to understand that uh, this undoubtedly could not go on and would not have been so entrenched, especially in the African-American community, if the ideology and the strategy of Margaret Sanger uh, of using the colored minister to uh, basically condone the practice, if, if we'd have condemned the practice and remained faithful to our call and, and called it for what it is, a murder, uh, this never would have been so entrenched in our uh, community. Once again, Reverend Clenard Childress of BlackGenocide.org. Now, there is a tendency, and I do understand the motivation behind this tendency, to take all of this information about Margaret Sanger and Lothrop Stoddard and all the other avowed racist eugenicists on the board of the birth control, American Birth Control League and subsequently Planned Parenthood, and often card-carrying members of the American Eugenics Society, by the way, and to say, well, that was then, that was the past. Yes, this organization was birthed in the iniquity of the uh, racist eugenicist ideology, and it was absolutely 100% intended as a dagger aimed at the heart, trying to exterminate and kill off swaths of the population that these people found reprehensible. And yes, there are many quotations we could give from directors and board members through the 1960s and 70s saying, well, substantially the same things. But but that was then. And this is now. Planned Parenthood these days is an organization that's evolved very much from where its roots were. And it's now really is about spreading birth control and trying to better the lives of those unfortunate poor who can't afford the basic medical services. And that's what the official line is now about Planned Parenthood. Yes, there is, there is a tendency to, to acknowledge that there may be unpleasant parts of the past in its history, but, but that's not the important part. The important part is where the organization has moved on to now. And it certainly isn't a racist eugenicist organization anymore. Is it? In 2008, the group came under fire for agreeing to accept funds to specifically fund abortions for blacks in Oklahoma. Would it be possible for me to, to donate that money specifically for these, these minority groups so that they could have access to abortions? Yes, it would be. Wonderful. And could I specify that abortion be done, or those abortions be done for a particular minority group, or how does that work? If you wish, you can. Okay. So, for example, the black community in Tulsa, would it be possible to, to give the money specifically for that? You sure can. Wonderful. Great. The abortions will be done specifically for the black community abortions. I can. I will mark it in such a way that definitely it will. On a black baby. Yes. Thank you. Great. And in New Mexico. Um, can I make the donation specifically for a minority group? Like a specific group yeah. of color? Like a yeah. group of... I mean, like, I want the abortion to be for an African-American baby. Okay. And I was wondering if that could be possible. The exact amount we charge right now is $450 for an abortion. Okay, $450? Mm-hmm. 
and um, we can definitely designate it for an African American. Wonderful. Um, and in Ohio. If you specifically want it to underwrite an abortion for a minority person, you can target it that way. You can you can specify that that's how you want it spent. Okay, yeah, because there's, so de there's definitely way too many black people in Ohio, so I'm just trying to do my part. Okay, whatever. And in Idaho. I want to I specify that abortion to help a minority group. Would that be possible? Absolutely. Like the black community, for example? Certainly. Okay. So, so the abortion could could be you know I could give money specifically for a black baby. That would that be the purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you wanted to designate that you wanted your gift to be used to help an African American woman in need, mm -hmm. um, then we would certainly uh, make sure that that gift was earmarked specifically for that purpose. Great, because I really face trouble with affirmative action, and I don't want my kids being disadvantaged, you know, against um, black kids. I just had a baby. I want to put it in his name, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know so that's, that's definitely yeah. possible. Oh, always, always. So well, those phone calls undeniably demonstrate parent Planned Parenthood's willingness to at least tell its donors that their donations can be earmarked to kill certain races of unborn babies. But it can be argued, and it certainly has been, that, well, these were just individual, although multiple and, and different, examples of low-level workers who were just saying this on the phone in order to get donations. This wasn't an institutional organizational policy, surely. Well, unfortunately, sadly, evidence can be found that there are much deeper-seated issues of organizational and institutional targeting of minority populations for abortion services by Planned Parenthood. This was a topic that was raised and documented in a great deal of depth in a really remarkable and highly recommended documentary called Ma'afa 21 that I will put the link to in the show notes as always so you can follow and watch this documentary in its entirety. I can't stress enough how important this documentary is in tying various threads together in this overall picture of the eugenicist, racist uh, agenda of Planned Parenthood and, and their ilk. But in this particular clip, they demonstrated how tar minority communities were indeed targeted by the organization. In 1973, the year abortion was legalized nationwide, Dr. Christopher Tietze produced a study on abortion demographics at the request of the Population Council, a New York-based eugenics organization. In this report, Tietze confirmed previous research showing that when abortion is illegal, the abortion rate is much higher for white women than for black women, but that this completely reverses whenever abortion is legalized. At the time he published these findings, Tietze was a consultant to both Planned Parenthood and the National Abortion Federation. Other researchers within the eugenics and abortion movements we're also documenting that easy access to abortion clinics produces higher abortion rates in the surrounding area. And at least one expert discovered that having a nearby clinic is a bigger factor in the black abortion rate than it is in the white abortion rate. At the same time this data is being circulated, Planned Parenthood and the rest of the abortion lobby were in the process of locating the vast majority of their facilities in minority neighborhoods. Then in 1974, a study was released on population control that had been conducted by researchers at three major universities, 
By analyzing data obtained from Planned Parenthood's own records, they determined that the number one factor in deciding whether a county in the United States provided free or low-cost family planning services was not poverty, but race. The researchers said their findings seem to support the contention of many civil rights activists that such programs are less intended to assist the poor than they are to control the growth of the black population. Birth control and abortion are turning out to be the great eugenic advances of our time. Frederick Osborne, founding member of the American Eugenics Society, 1973. The best way to hate a nigger is to hate him before he is born. Leander Perez, Louisiana State Judge, 1970. Now, once again, that's a clip from the highly recommended Mafia 21 documentary, and we will be talking about that documentary again in the podcast in the future, where we document in greater detail the bigger agenda at play here and how eugenics was really morphed into the population control meme. And, uh, and this documentary goes some way towards documenting that and how it works at the institutional level and some of the main players who have been behind that agenda for decades. So once again, I really do recommend that documentary. But I think that the point certainly is made that minority communities specifically are targeted for the abortion services of Planned Parenthood. And this is an issue that's come up and been contested and been talked about in the media um, for some time now, including even back in the 2011 GOP primaries where Herman Cain brought up this issue talking about Margaret Sanger and the racist eugenicist roots of Planned Parenthood and and talked about how the group targets minority communities for its abortion services. And Washington Post and factchecker.org and and other uh, websites took it upon themselves to to take Herman Cain to task for those remarks and attempted to debunk them but in the end just served to dig the hole even deeper for themselves. They cited a 2011 study by a group that was connected by Planned Parenthood that purported to show that, in fact, minority communities were not targeted at all by abortion services of Planned Parenthood, that in fact only one in nine of the abortion uh, uh, service providers of Planned Parenthood were located in minority communities. And that was reported on, widely reported on, by globalist organizations like the Bilderberg-connected Washington Post. But... Oddly enough, they didn't follow up on that story when it came out in further research that indeed that Guttmacher Institute research had been fudged to come up with those false figures, and that in fact the real figures showed that yes, indeed, the majority of the abortion services from Planned Parenthood are provided in minority communities. This comes from an article called Media Calls Kane's Comments on Planned Parenthood Racist Roots, Pants on Fire Lie, and this is from uh, uh, November of 2011. It reads in part, quote, Today, Planned Parenthood concedes that Margaret Sanger made statements some 80 years ago that were wrong then and are wrong now, but claims no longer to follow a racist agenda. The Allen Guttmacher Institute, a former research arm of Planned Parenthood with major financial ties to the group, claimed in a recent report to debunk the claim that abortion clinics are concentrated in black communities, claiming only 9% are located in minority areas. But critics of Planned Parenthood have pointed out that the Guttmacher report arbitrarily excluded abortion clinics that committed fewer than 400 abortions per year. Numbers that, when included, show a different story. A survey based on census data published by Life Dynamics President Mark Crutcher in September found a majority of Planned Parenthood clinics located in disproportionately minority neighborhoods. In addition, Crutcher noted that of the 116 zip codes found to have more than one population control facility, 
84 were disproportionately black and or Hispanic, end quote. Well, what does this overall picture really show us, and what can we do with this information? That is, of course, as always, the $64,000 question, and it is the question that concerns us and preoccupies us with all of the data that we've looked at today. I think that we have demonstrated to a great degree of certainty for people who are willing to look at the data that Planned Parenthood was an organization that was born in and continues to reflect racist eugenics philosophy and a desire to exterminate a portion of the population that the the board members and the people behind Planned Parenthood find problematic. And again, we've looked at many quotations and many pieces of data that fit into that puzzle today, but there are many, many, many more to find out there besides. So I would suggest that you look into the resources provided in today's show notes, like at blackgenocide.org and the Moffa 21 documentary and other such resources to find out more of the data points that put this all together. Uh, But again, the question is, well, how does this affect me? And uh, I'm sure there are many people in the audience who are thinking about this and who think, well, even if this were the case, certainly there, there are good things that are done by organizations like Planned Parenthood besides whatever their abortion services are aimed at. And surely you wouldn't be against the good birth control and uh, breast cancer screening and STI testing and all the other things that they do as, as part of their services. Well, that, of course, is a logical fallacy known as the false dilemma, that either you are for Planned Parenthood specifically as an organization, or you are against such things as birth control and uh, STI testing and the like. Uh, It is not an either-or dichotomy. We can be against Planned Parenthood, the organization, what it stands for, and who is, is behind it, without being against every service that it provides. And the answer, of course, one at least step toward the the right answer on this issue is at the very least to remove government funding from the equation, as is the answer with, I would argue, pretty much every uh, problem that exists in society today, removing the government funding, removing the taxation theft from the population that's being put into an organization like Planned Parenthood, a non-profit agency that happens to have over a billion dollars in assets. Uh, This is not a little rinky-dink organization, and it is not one that would fold overnight if it were suddenly to uh, lose its funding in In fact, in the last nine years, the data shows that it has taken in over $500 million in profits. That is not in gross revenue, $500 million in profits for a non-profit organization nonetheless. And given its corporate sponsorship from the likes of Chevron and TD Bank and Wachovia and Bank of America and Walt Disney and Time Warner and all the other corporate donators and sponsors of Planned Parenthood, I'm sure that they would not go under overnight if they were to lose their government funding. But at any rate, that would be one step toward taking the, uh, the the people out of this equation of being forced to fund this group that is admittedly a eugenicist, racist organization that is on the record and has been for many years promoting this eugenics philosophy. So again, don't take my word for it. Please look into the source documentation for today's episode and please reflect on the fact that some of the richest people in the world over the the past century have been so utterly devoted to this eugenics philosophy and so concerned about exterminating vast swaths of the world's population, specifically and first and foremost, those parts of the population that happen to have different colored skin. 
Uh, There is much, much more to be said about this agenda. And as I say, we will have future episodes talking specifically about how eugenics morphed into population control. But for there, we're going to leave it right there for this week. Once again, I hope you'll check into the documentation for today's episode. And as always, this is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Looking forward to talking to you all again next week. The Corbett Report is brought to you by the 2010 Video Archive DVD. Buy your copy today at CorbettReport.com.